The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Miss Meg, you're my all, you're the best. Is that not right? Is that the song? Very good. I haven't got one of those right in months, so praise the Lord for small graces in life. It's all good. All right, we invite your attention this morning to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 this morning. We are continuing our series within a series. I've been telling you we've been on the slow train, so to speak, uh, to end the book of Mark. We're in chapter 3. We started in January. Praise the Lord, right? So God is good. Uh, we are in a series in a series. Uh, we'll be in jo- uh, Mark for at least another couple years with breaks in between. I promise it'll be much richer than it may seem, but we're in the study of the 12 apostles. And as we come to this study, I think it comes back to this. Uh, it really comes back to understanding who these men are. But as we understand who these men are, may we remember we're not trying to be like a Philip as we're studying today or an Andrew, Peter, James, or John. We want to be like Christ. Amen. That's why we're here. But as we look at their lives, we see areas where we can identify. We can say, okay, Lord, this is something I need to improve in my life by your spirit and grace. But as we come to this, one of these may be communication. I'm a communications major, and I often am the worst at communication, amen, to that, and I know that. But some of you can identify with this opening illustration here. You feel like this gentleman, Will Ferrell, who said this, what did you say? What did you say? Let me just give you some of these phrases that are bloopers that came across in signs that were for advertisements, and you have to listen carefully, so listen very carefully. Dinner special, turkey, 235, chicken, 225, children, $2. Think about that for a second, guys. How about a dog for sale? Eats anything and is fond of children. (laughs) It's going to take you a minute. You're warming up to this. Or uh, we do not tear your clothing with machinery. We do it carefully by hand. Think about that for a second. Or how about this auto repair shop in Illinois that said, free pickup and delivery. Try us once and you'll never go anywhere again. So... (laughs) I don't know. This next one, illiterate, write us today. Write us in the mail today for free help. And so uh, think about that for a second, guys. Use cars. Why go elsewhere to be cheated? Come here first, was the uh, car ads. <laughs> Our three-year-old teacher, needed, three-year-old teacher needed for preschool, experience preferred. Think about that. Uh, or the semi-annual after Christmas sale. That doesn't quite make a lot of sense. And now the superstore, unequaled in size, unmatched in variety, and unrivaled in inconveniences, is what the actual ad read. (laughs) And the last one says, we will oil your sewing machine and and adjust tension in your home for $1. So uh, that was for our busy hand sewing ladies. These are true things that came across. You know, sometimes I think the way we say things and how we say things really make a matter of why we do certain things, doesn't it? And how easily we are fooled into thinking that when we send an email, write a paper, send a text, that it's all perfect. And how many of us had, wish we had a, a kind of a fish back, kind of reel it back in function that, oh, I didn't mean to send that. Or, ooh, autocorrect came on at the wrong time. That's not the word I meant to say. Uh, you've all been there if you're part of that. And some of us would say, you know, Darren, if I could just communicate well, get it all done well, 
then life would be good. Well, if that's you, then you are Philip today. Philip was the person on the surface who had it all together. He could organize. He could make uh, Martha Stewart look like a a little kid. You know, I don't know. Just put her to shame. But here's the problem. Philip was so organized, so missed the point of so many things that he often missed the very work of the Savior before him. Many of us would say, man, if I could just be like Philip and I could communicate well, do this good, do that great, then my life would be perfect. But what we will see today is that just because you get all your ducks in a row communication-wise and organization-wise doesn't mean you're any closer to the Lord than before. As I read in the uh, prologue to this sermon in our reading time, Psalm 119.105 is a great reminder for us because it is very true that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Friends, even if you have the best grammar, even if you aren't good at grammar or aren't good with details, that actually might be a good thing. Because God uses people who are less sure of themselves and more sure about what God and Christ has done for them. And that should be a great encouragement to us. Uh, I don't think there are any English majors in here. If you are, you can raise your hand and be looked at really weirdly. Uh, and and you, you can do that. But we tend to think, like Philip, that in order for us to be used well of God, we have to have everything just right. That to have a large ministry or a mega church, but that's not usually how God works. Think about this. One man, Elijah, killed 800 prophets of Baal by himself after the big fire episode. Samson picked up the jawbone of a donkey and killed by himself 20,000 enemies. Shamgar, that guy we never talk about, took an ox goad. I don't know what an ox goad is, but I'm sure it's pretty lethal because he killed 600 people with it. Gideon had 32,000 people, and he had it all organized, and God said, you have too many, and he whittled it down and wiped out an entire army. David, the teenage boy, took one stone and killed Goliath and defeated the entire Philistine army. Jonah, only one man, led the entire city of Nineveh to the greatest revival we've probably ever seen, even in biblical times, a a town of 250,000. Peter preached one sermon, and 3,000 people came to Christ. Yet one person, David, had his greatest sin, and it wasn't Bathsheba. He numbered his troops, and thousands of people died. Friends, we don't have to have everything organized to the point where we're a well-oiled machine. The point of all these people shows us, both good and bad, that even when things are not organized, God still works. But here's one thing that we will see as we look at Philip. When God is working in your life, he often digs very deep because he's building very high. He digs very deep because he's building very high. How many of you are type A organized people that drive your spouse and everyone else around you nuts? Anybody? Uh, Yes, if you're type A, you have to raise your hand because I asked you a question about being type A. That's just how that works. But God digs deep, deeper than our organization, deeper than our plans, deeper than everything. And what Philip's story and his life will show us is we don't need more disciples. Whoa, that's going to sound funny. We need better disciples disciples. We don't need to be wider. We need to be deeper. We don't need more quantity necessarily, and that's not a bad thing. We need more quality in our disciples. We don't need more churches, and that sounds funny. We need better churches focused on the glory of Christ. Friends, we have church buildings everywhere across this nation. We don't need more preachers. We have a lot of talking heads. We need better preachers for the glory of God. We don't need more church members, although all are welcome. We need better church members. Why? Because it's not about the organization, it's about the relationship with Christ and everything else goes out from there. 
And Peter had to learn that. And today we're going to look at four truths about transforming grace in Peter, or sorry, Philip. We're going to look at his consistency. This guy was Mr. Reliable. We're going to look at his commonness, as we've seen with the others, his conversion and his character. And I want you to think about this. God chose 12 men to be his disciples and apostles. He didn't choose 200. He didn't choose 2,000. He chose 12. He chose to pour his life into them, ordinary people like you and like me. And what is even more amazing is these are regular folks. God used a brash speaking Peter. He used a fiery James, a son of thunder John, and he used the manly man, Andrew, we looked at a couple weeks ago. But some of you will identify more with Philip than you will with anyone else today. And you say, Darren, I'm not an organized person. Friend, here's the point of this whole thing. What is it in your life that you have to have before you can see God work? What if God came with that big wrecking ball that he often does in his providence and knocks down whatever you're holding on to? What would your reaction be? Will you be like Philip? Will you be like others? Will you do something else? That's the question today. Will you join me as we stand in reading God's word today in honor of it? We're in Mark chapter 3, verse 18. Mark chapter 3 and verse 18. If you're visiting and you forgot your Bible, or if you, if you need a Bible, the Blue Pew Bible, we're on page 838, 838. Mark chapter 3, and we're going to start reading in verse 13. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. And it says this, And he, Jesus, went up to the mountain and called to him those he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 whom he named the apostles so that they might be with him and might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out the demons. And he appointed the 12 Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boangres, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon, the, uh, Simon the Zealot, or Simon the Cananean, uh, if you want to use that word. Friends, today, a reminder that God works through details, but he doesn't need our help often as we think he does in those details. We'll unpack that as we go through. Will you pray with me as we start? Father God, we pray as we look at the life of Philip, Lord, not that we want to be more like Philip. We want to be more like Christ. Father, we would desire to be more like your son who gave his life for us. But in this life of Philip, Lord, as only we see windows and shadows and pictures of his life, Father, may we learn lessons that point us back to Christ. Father, thank you that as you did with Philip, you dug under his well-laid plans to take him to a higher place, not some spiritual video game level, but, Father, a closer walk with thee that he may live out for the glory of your name and share the gospel wherever he went. Father, may that be true of us as well. Thank you for this dear church and the dear saints here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So we are on apostle number five, if you've been taking care of your math at home. This is apostle number five, Philip. How many of y'all, I was curious about this. I asked uh, several pastor friends if they've ever heard this. They had zero. So maybe you have. Anyone ever heard a sermon just on Philip? Just out of curiosity, a sermon on Philip. All right. You've got a lot to learn today to God's glory. Well, what I want you to see first off is how consistent Philip is. Is He is, in his transforming grace, one of those truths is Philip has been very consistent. He is always listed number five on the list. Always, without fail. Peter is always number one. Uh, Judas is always number 12. And remember, the list is a list, the closer you are in number to Jesus, the closer you were to him in this life, uh, as far as during his ministry. 
but he's always listed number five. He's always listed in the second group of four. We've gone through Peter, James, John, and Andrew, the first group, the closest group. But in every list, in Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, and Acts 1, he is always there. He's always number five. He can't seem to get up. He can't seem to get down. He's always just number five. If you're keeping track, Judas is always number 12. Peter is always number one. Uh, Philip is five. And then uh, James, son of Alphaeus, is always number nine, if you want to get into all that. But here's what it means. It means this was a consistent guy. Because if you go through these other letters here and you look at these names we read, you see Philip and then you go on and you see 